welcome to this week's sermon from C3 Church Narara. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Chris Brown. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net. So Christmas is coming again and uh, in this month of Advent or the preparation to Christmas season we thought it would be good to have a look at what the Bible says about Christmas not just on Christmas Day but in the weeks leading up to it because the challenge we have as followers of Jesus is that we don't just get caught up in the silly season of course we should enjoy gatherings and feastings and food and festivals and presents and all that stuff but of course there's a very secular commercial side of Christmas and people can sometimes just get you know caught up with that and miss the initial original real meaning and message of Christmas and of course we want to have that for ourselves but also to be able to share that with others help people understand and embrace (laughs) what Christmas is uh, all about and so uh, we're going to look over the next few weeks at some of the uh Bible passages that relate to Christmas and I'm going to start this morning not in the New Testament which was written after Jesus came about his life about the very first Christmas detailed in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke and John uh, about his life but we're going to look in the Old Testament written hundreds of years before Jesus even came and if you have a Bible go to the prophet Isaiah or if you're from the other side of the Pacific Isaiah Isaiah uh, gets the benefit of being called one of the major prophets. It's very cool. I feel sorry for the minor prophets. They had something to say, but they do get called by Bible scholars, minor prophets. It's really just because Isaiah was a bit more long-winded. They just said more. That's the only thing. They weren't better, but they were longer. So anyway, that's why you have major prophets, minor prophets. Isaiah is one of the major prophets, longer prophetic books. Isaiah chapter 9, verse 2 says this, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Now, you read on a few verses later, you might recognise this in verse 6. For to us, a child is born. To us, a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor. Mighty God, everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. So these are just a few of many verses. In fact, hundreds of references in the Old Testament prophesying about the coming Messiah, fulfilled in Jesus that very first Christmas. And dozens of those references are just in this book of Isaiah. And some of them include intricate details about how the Messiah would come, where he was going to be born, how he would live, how he would die, how he was actually going to be resurrected from the dead. So it's, it's pretty cool. And that's why there's a lot of Messianic Jewish people uh, today who are Jewish people who have studied the Old Testament but have come to see 
that Jesus really fulfilled those prophecies and that he is the Messiah, was the Messiah and can be their Messiah and Lord and Saviour. Uh, and that's pretty cool. Um, of course, verses 6 and 7 we just read might be very familiar to you because they're sung in uh, Handel's wonderful piece, um, you know, the famous Hallelujah Chorus that Handel wrote, the, the Messiah, the piece of music. And you hear that around Christmas time. But what I want you to notice is verse 2. Can we see that again? Verse 2, the people walking in darkness have seen a great light. And the second part of it says, on those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. And so this is relevant. This is really relevant to today because it reminds us about the fact that Jesus is the light, that his light came and just back then and today was and is desperately needed because of so much darkness, because people are living in darkness. You know, when you read the Bible, you see the word dark and it often refers to um, evil and ignorance. And as I said, it was true back then and it's, and it's true today. The world that Jesus entered, that he came and arrived at, oh, there was a lot of darkness, a lot of evil. There was injustice and violence and oppression from the Roman Empire and there was corruption. And 2,000 years later, well, circumstances have changed. Things are different in many ways, but there's still a lot of pain and problems and worry and strife and fear and conflict and injustice and displays of evil that are dark, that brings darkness into people's lives, especially in the year 2020 through all that has been going on with COVID. And of course, darkness, as I said, also relates to ignorance. Like we say, oh, I don't know, I'm in the dark about that. If we don't know something, we say we, we, we're in the dark, we, we're darkened by it. And that's particularly true when it comes to solving the evil darkness issue. Because not only are we, like it says there, living in a land of deep darkness, the big problem is that we somehow, as humans, think that we can overcome the darkness that we've, we, we think we've got the cure for the darkness, but no one has. Even, you know, f for all good intents, y y there's still ongoing pain and suffering and challenges and issues that people can't overcome. You can get, you know, new scientific and medical uh, breakthroughs, and that's awesome. We've got discoveries in those areas. You've got advancements in technology. You can get rich, generous philanthropic-minded people giving their money to good causes. You can have good government policies and programs, and we love that, and we're glad that they're there to help people. Great education, all this stuff, it's all admirable, but they all fall short of dealing with the deepest, darkest issues of life, the depravity and evil that we still see in the world. None of them can bring about justice and peace and well-being and hope and eternal glory and, and a hope for a great future and security and, and health and all the things that make up a really rich life. They, they all come short. And the reason is we don't have the light inside us. There's got to be light to deal with the darkness, but no human has the light. We're all in the dark and we've all got darkness and ah, it's, you know, just part of the human condition, isn't it? That no matter how clever 
or well-intentioned the people or the programs or the policies are, they're all going to just come short. But the good news is the light has come. And that verse doesn't say that the light has come from the world around us. It says the light has shone upon us. On those living in the land of darkness, the light has come. In other words, it's come from outside the darkness, outside our world. It's come from heaven. It's come because it's Jesus who has come from heaven to earth. And that's what we celebrate at Christmas time. And today, I just want to unpack a little bit more about what this means to be the light. Because Jesus said when he arrived, I am the light of the world. And he was declaring it and proving it. And we get to live and experience the benefits of that. And what does that, what does that mean? What's so good about light? Well, of course, light's fun. Light's attractive. You know, I'm so glad we've got these crazy cool lights. Thank you, Crowthers and Chris. And Melissa, I'll throw in there too. I'm not sure how much technical work Melissa does, but she's backing him up for all those hours that Chris says, all right, sorry, you can do the kids. I'm going and you do dinner and whatever. And they set up these lights out here and it's all synced to music and all that. And you see houses all over the place. Uh, we were with Luke and Shelley in Orange and, um, you know, Shelley's loving it out in Orange as people going mental like people do, putting lights all around. And it reminded us, us uh, when Luke was little, the older kids, Hudson and Eleanor, when Luke was probably, I don't know, about two or three, we would go looking at Christmas lights and Luke was a quiet little kid but had these big lungs and he was quiet and he's a good singer, he's got a big voice but he was quite quiet most of the time and you'd be driving along looking at, and we're looking for the lights, you know, and, um, and you just go, you know, you go Christmas light hunting and he'd just be sitting there looking calm, he's quite a placid, calm little boy and then he'd go, aha! And the other kids would laugh, we'd all shake, wah! And we'd go past the light and then we'd be driving on basically just waiting for Luke's reaction, aha! You know, and maybe your kids are like that too, they just love it, the lights! The point is, no one puts dark cloth over their house or shadows of gloom and doom over the, oh, come and look at my dark house. It's like, what? Of course, you know, we love lights. There's something attractive. It lifts our spirit. But there's something more to light than just, ah, it's kind of nice. There's just a few things that light does that really reflect, get it, get it, on what Jesus does in our life. You'll see what I did there. Um, and so I want you to notice just these three things. The first one is that light is powerful. Light overcomes darkness. All right? Um, who enjoyed the electrical storm last night? Did anyone get like, oh, I love those storms. They're exciting. I think I get it from my father who was a pilot. And uh, when he was in the Air Force, he told me that they used to do uh, seed sowing into clouds. They had scientific instruments in their Hercules and they were told to fly into the worst storms they could find uh, so they could measure all the storm activity. And he said it was pretty exciting, you know, and they'd bounce and get thrown around. And he always said, you know when you're on an airline, a passenger plane, and you go through a fierce storm and they say, oh, buckle up, everyone, warning, beep, beep, you know, and it bounces and you look and you think, flip, those wings are moving like that. People are starting to freak out. The plane's going to fall out of the sky. We're going to break it. He said, don't worry, that is nothing. Planes can withstand a whole lot more because passenger planes, if they ever go through a storm, they're not going through the middle of it. They've just maybe got the edge of it and it's not the worst. And so that's always put my mind at ease when I'm 
looking around thinking we're going to die, you know, if you're ever on a passenger plane. But he, they really went for it. They were just going straight in the middle of these storms. And so I think he just had a love of wild storms. So growing up, there'd be an electrical storm. Dogs would be freaking out in the corner and he'd just go out and go, oh yeah, come on, send it down. You know, it'd be pouring rain. I'd be like, yeah, Dad, I guess this is cool, you know. And so um, I love it too. I just get out there, love the lightning. And, you know, when the lightning flashes, uh, you know, it's, it overcomes the darkness. It's bright. The darkness has no answer. You know, if you walk into a room and you turn on the light switch, you don't hear a struggle. You know, get back. No, I win. Push. You don't look and see dark and light sort of fighting it out over who's going to win. There's no contest. The light just, the darkness goes. Darkness is gone, just like that. And that's exactly what Jesus does in our lives when we invite him in because he's powerful. Look at what John says, the first chapter of the Gospel of John. He's introducing Jesus and he says, the light, who is Jesus, the light, this is verse 5, John chapter 1, there is the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. That's Jesus. That's what he did. He came to the earth and he shone. And the darkness, the devil, the depravity of life and mankind and sin, whatever it may be, Jesus proves his victory over the devil. His power wins over anything that comes against the will of God being done, that stands in his way whenever we invite his light into our lives. Sin, light comes, shines, forgiven, just like that. Guilt, shame, removed. Sickness, healing comes. Fear, a lot of people worried, but it can be replaced by hope and faith for the future. Anxiety, defeated by the Prince of Peace, who brings calm into the, the troubled soul. Financial and material lack, bam, provision from God. Here it comes, bursting in like lightning. This is the light of God. Addictions and, and bad habits and all that, set free. Power of God. That's what happens because the light is powerful. The light overcomes, yeah? That's pretty cool. Second thing about light is that it exposes things. It reveals things that you wouldn't otherwise see without light. And uh, that's good when you're trying to find things. I would have said once, you know, when you're searching at home, you get a torch. Young people are like, what's a torch? Because we all have phones now and you just turn on your phone and you shine your light to find something under the bed and that's all cool. And, and so we use lights to find things in the dark. But we also have the light of God shining inside us. Now that's good, but it's not always comfortable because uh, look at what John says a couple of chapters later. When you read the Gospel of John, you realise he's... he's He's picked up, he's quite a deep thinking philosophical person that God used to pick up concepts, not just telling the story of what Jesus did, but explaining to us why Jesus came, what was going on with Jesus' ministry on earth. And so here's a passage that does exactly that. In verse 19 of John 3, this is the verdict. Light, again Jesus, light has come into the world, but watch this. People loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light 
for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what they've done has been done in the sight of God. Did you see that? Notice that light exposes things and notice also that there's really two kinds of people and we have a choice which kind of person we're going to be. You can either stay in the dark or come into the light. It's very tempting to stay in the dark because you can keep your sin from being exposed and being dealt with. But as uncomfortable as it is, it's good to live by the truth, to be honest and open with ourselves and with God. And, um, and so Jesus coming into our life, shining in our life, you know, it's often said at Christmas, Jesus is the best gift you could ever receive at Christmas. And it's true, absolutely. But to open that gift can be a little challenging because uh, it's a gift unlike all others. It's a gift that isn't, isn't always easy to accept. It's not just like, oh, Jesus, I just add him to my life and I carry on. He just sort of blesses me as I go. No, to truly accept Jesus means some serious soul searching. It actually means to die to ourselves and take up the life that he offers us, that we actually take up our own cross. We, we are crucified to truly be born again, to become a Christian, to be a follower of Jesus. And that's not easy. It's wonderful, it's important, it's right, but there's some cold hard facts about us that might get exposed in doing this commitment to God thing, which is not just a one-off, but lifelong. Timothy Keller puts this really well about how it can be uncomfortable to open the gift Jesus got. He writes this in one of his books. Imagine opening a present on Christmas morning from a friend and it's a dieting book. (laughs) Then you take off another ribbon and wrapper and you find it's another book from another friend entitled Overcoming Selfishness. (laughs) If you say to them, thank you so much, you're in a sense admitting, for indeed I am fat and obnoxious. In other words, some gifts are hard to receive because to do so is to admit, admit you have flaws and weaknesses and that you need help. Perhaps on some occasion you've had a friend who figured out that you're in financial trouble. They came to you and offered you a large sum of money in order to get you out of your predicament. If that's ever happened to you, you probably found that to receive the gift meant swallowing your pride. There's never been a gift offered that makes you swallow your pride to the depths that the gift of Jesus Christ requires us to do. Christmas means that we are so lost, so unable to save ourselves that nothing less than the death of the Son of God himself could save us. So well said, isn't it? To admit that we are dark and needing that light. So we should, you know, come before the Lord, come into his light with honesty, with humility, because we've all got sin. Or, okay, let me put it more politically correctly, issues. (laughs) You know, challenges, insecurities, character areas for improvement. You know, know, I mean, sin, whatever. You know what I'm saying? We've all got stuff and it's dark. But we shouldn't stay in the dark. We can bring it all into the light, let Jesus come and shine and, yes, expose. The Bible says the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin, but watch, he doesn't condemn us. 
There's no condemnation in Christ. That's the devil who tries to condemn you and says, oh, you're terrible, you're hopeless, you feel bad about that. Conviction just means being aware of something enough to deal with it. And so you bring it into the light and go, whoa, God, wow, look at that. And I'm not just pointing the finger at someone else. I'm, I forget the, the splinter. I'm looking at the plank here. I, oh, I, I, but it's all good because Jesus forgives us and the Holy Spirit empowers us to help us to overcome that issue and move forward in freedom and healing and forgiveness, yeah? So third thing about light, hang in there, kids. I know. I know, he goes on, flip, doesn't he go on? I want to cry too sometimes, the preaching's so bad. I'm doing my best. Oh. I'm glad at least as we grow up, we just don't cry publicly when the preaching's bad. At least you just, you know, maybe roll your eyes or what do they say? Take the preacher out for lunch, you know, and sort of dig into it after. Um, or now they're crying because they are being taken out. Maybe the preaching is. Anyway, third point. And I'll finish with this in the next hour. Light helps us navigate our way. Light shows you the way to go. It shows you out of darkness. And the Bible says we've been called out of darkness into the kingdom of His light, the light of God. It's awesome. And you get to see a pathway correctly when you've got light. This is exactly what happens when Jesus comes into our life. In fact, He is the way. That's another one of these great statements. I am the way, the truth and the life. He is the way. So you find Jesus, you're on the right track. You just follow him. You follow him. He helps you make good decisions. You read his word. He is the word. Uh, And then you make decisions that help you navigate a life that brings glory to God and blesses you and other people. It's amazing. You don't have to figure it all out well in advance. Just one step of the way prayerfully considering, obeying, listening. And I'm not talking about, oh God, shall I have the chai latte or the coffee? You know, we're talking about, you know, having a sense of confidence in life and God doesn't care whether you have the double cappuccino, soy, whatever, you know, or the, although sometimes it is a pain, isn't it, when you've got a friend and they're ordering a coffee that you just, they say, what do you want? And you go and order their coffee and you just forget, you ask about five times because it's like, I think it was the almond soy double macchiato and then anyway um, just it's okay it's a coffee thing isn't it we all have friends with the weird coffee orders look Psalm um, 119 verse 105 you know this verse your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path well Jesus is the word he's known as the word of God in scripture and of course he is that light he lights up the way to go and uh you know, I remember as a boy, older boy, younger teenager, I was walking in the bush with my brother, my father. Okay, full confession. We were walking with guns. Okay, look, it's all right, all right. It's, don't have guns anymore. Child of the 70s, it was okay back then, you know. But uh, we would go shooting. We used to do target shooting. And then we'd go to a property that a friend of ours has, this massive property, thousands of acres up near Tamworth. And we would go shooting, uh, you know, pigs and rabbits. And they were vermin. And I don't think I'd want to shoot and kill anything these days. But anyway, part of life, we were doing it back then. So he used to drive us out to the back of the property. And then we'd walk in the afternoon back towards the farmhouse, several kilometres, and uh, hunting as we go. One day he took us out. And we must have gone way out the back and maybe taken too long shooting or searching for 
whatever to shoot. Uh, and we realised that dusk was falling and we were a long way from the homestead, from the farmhouse. And then darkness came. Dusk finished. We ran out of light completely. And I remember I was probably, I don't know, 12-ish or something. And uh, I was starting to feel a little concerned because I'm thinking, oh, great. I think it was, might have been winter and I'm starting to get a bit cold. The sun's gone down. It's dark. There was no moon. I remember it was all cloudy. You couldn't see a thing. We had no phones. No torches, we would have expected to be back and uh, we just miscalculated and my dad was cool like dads usually are, saying it's alright son, it's all good because he could see the light of the house and that's all we had to go on, no other lights around but you get to the top of a hill, <gasps> there's the house, that's where we've got to go and then you go down into the gully and you'd lose track and then you'd pop up and oh, it's over this way and I remember at one point walking right into a barbed wire fence, ah! You know, like, oh, this is terrible, we're going to die, you know. And it was all a bit, you know, felt a little bit dramatic, a little bit scary. Uh, but as long as we could see that light, oh, 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 there's a glimmer of hope. And the calm voice of the father, who's probably thinking, what the hell have I done? You know, we're all going to die. But he, you know, wouldn't say that, you know. And, uh, uh, and so I just remember it quite vividly, the, the, the need for the light of the house. That's all we had, but it was just all we needed because... Every time you get to a rise, we'd find our way closer and closer and it got bigger and brighter and ah, and the relief, I remember, getting into that house, out of the dark, into the light. Oh, and, uh, you know, the warm welcome and you can see things and you can deal with your scratches from the barbed wire and, you know, it was, it was such a relief. I remember it today. And, um, you know, Jesus... He is the light of the world. And some people are stumbling around in the darkness, bumping into barbed wire, not sure of where to go. But if you can see Jesus, that's all you need. He will get you home. He will help you. He is the beacon. He is the light at the end of the tunnel. He is who we need. He will show us the way. Amen? And so um, if, if you found life a little dark, and I think many people have in 2020, that's understandable. There's been a pall of gloominess that has come over the world. But this Christmas, the light still shines. Yeah? And the light is shining and even more noticeably, brighter and brighter, as dark is strong around you, the light will shine brighter and will bring you to that point of Jesus in our hearts, in our lives shining into our lives. Look at that again. The people walking in darkness have seen a great light. His name is Jesus. On those living in a land of deep darkness, no doubt about it, but look, a light has dawned. Praise the Lord. That's the Christmas message, yeah? He's the light. Let's make sure we see him, trust him and follow him. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you, Lord. Wow, you just are amazing and uh, we thank you that we can trust in you and as we commit our lives to you, it's just like flicking a switch. We say, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And I want to encourage you to do that. Whether you're here today, whether you're watching online, if you've never done it before, give your life to Jesus. Make that commitment. Maybe it's for the very first time or maybe it's a recommitment. Maybe you've walked with him in the past. Maybe you heard a bit about him or went to church or used to read your Bible or, you know, maybe now you've walked away from him. But come on, 
refresh and renew that commitment. He is, he is the way, the truth and the life. He is the light of life. If we follow him, Jesus said, you won't walk in darkness. He'll, he'll lighten up the path. He'll forgive you for the darkness of the past and he'll lighten your way into the future. It's wonderful. It's awesome. It's the only way to live. So pray a very simple prayer. Just pray with me right now. In fact, whether you're online or here, pray this prayer of commitment to God. Say these words, Father God, thank you for sending Jesus into this earth as the light of the world. Jesus, forgive me for all my sin, for the darkness and 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 help me to follow you all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Touch everyone here today and anyone especially who's prayed that prayer and online, help them. Touch them. Lead them. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed this week's sermon. For more information or to contact us, visit c3church.narara.net.